is Dina Saunders-Green, and you're listening to Formally Fostered, brought to you by Green Pines Media. This is a podcast about foster care and children's mental health services, and sometimes the juvenile justice system, mainly because there's a lot of intersection between the three. We give emancipated youth and their allies a place to share their truth. Welcome to episode two of Formally Fostered. This week, we are going to be hearing from a 27-year-old former foster youth who was actually placed with relatives. Now, I have to admit, I'm biased. I love when kids are placed with their family members. I think it's the best placement for them. I think they are healthier and they do better. But you know what? The reality is sometimes being placed with a family is not always best for the child. Sometimes as a social worker, I need to be reminded that every situation is different. And more important, every family is different. So just like with episode one, the sound quality may not be great because it was recorded some time ago. But this young lady has some really good information to offer. So with that in mind, here we go. My experience with foster care, I was in the, I want to say the third or fourth grade. My mom was in and out of using substances that she should have been using. So it reflected her family, which got her family taken away. So it was just me and my other siblings. We had to basically strive on our own without her, but we had other family there to help us, but they still didn't know because they never had to deal with this before. They were only used to raising their own kids, not someone else's. She talks about her initial placement with an aunt and with cousins, and eventually her biological father comes into the picture and she's placed with him. I left foster care about... I was in and out of it. I was taken out when I was 11, and then I ended up going back when I was about 15, 16 years old. She talks about her frustration with the way her case closed and the fact that no one really communicated with her about what was going on. Basically, they just let it go after I turned 18. It wasn't really, oh, you're done. We're done with you. They just all backed off. No one called and checked on us and... I've noticed with a lot of family, they don't tell you everything. They just tell you what they want you to hear and not everything you need to hear. Okay. So, and especially if it involves money, they don't really want you to know everything that's going on. People are money hungry. Money changes a lot of people. Greed is probably the second thing that makes people different. And I want to say medication is probably the first one. She spent some time talking about the stress and tension that she felt after being placed with a biological family member. I just wanted to get out. I didn't want to be there anymore. I was never happy. So I had a family member come get me and it wasn't the route that I wanted, but it was something that had to get me through what I was going through. Didn't know where I was going. Didn't know when my next meal was going to be. Basically, I was halfway homeless. So in case you're wondering, much like I was, she was actually classified as a runaway. I was curious about how she felt about that. Here's what she had to say. It actually felt better than living in the situation that I was in before because I wasn't, there was no stress on me. I'm like, yeah, I may not have something to eat, but that mindset of me not stressing is overpowering that. So in addition to the tension and stress, 
I asked her about any other disadvantages that she felt may have come with being placed with this particular family member. I probably missed out on a lot of stuff that I needed. Treatments for probably depression, anxiety, or even seeing a, not like, um, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yes. Okay. So it's just some things when you're not told, you don't know where to go. It's just like they weren't concerned enough of certain situations. They just wanted to place you and, oh, we're going to place you here. Or here's someone that we can put, put you in. Here you go. Right. It's just like they didn't, they, they're doing their background check to make sure they're not a sex offender or basically beating or terrorizing kids. But right. do you really know the mental issues that a lot of the foster parents have is just they don't check for those. I wish I could say that her negative experience with relative caregivers was unusual. Unfortunately, it's pretty common. On May 3rd of 2017, the Chronicle of Social Change published an article by Alexandria Maldonado. The title was Bloodlines, Relatives Not Always the Best Caregivers for Foster Youth. Throughout the article, Alexandria talks about her frustration and the lack of stability that she felt after being placed with biological family members. She talks about being neglected and being used for financial gain, all by blood relatives. Relatives who had never been required to attend a parenting class or even attend therapy to understand what she was going through. At times, she even begged the social worker to take her away from her family. Since then, some counties have made some changes. For example, LA County now requires that biological family members go through the same trainings as regular foster parents. Hopefully, that'll lead to a better understanding and better outcomes for youth who are in foster care. Some kids are getting beaten every day. Some people are getting starved every day. It's just like, they don't see that. They just see that outside looking in like, oh, that's a perfect family. That's a, oh, you're you're doing very good here. Right. But when they leave, it's a whole different ballpark. Here's what she had to say when I asked her about reconnecting with the family that she was removed from. Um, It still has some rough patches, but once you can connect and talk to them and like really see why certain things happen, you would have a better understanding. But when you're a child, you don't understand half the stuff that goes on because you don't know what's going on in someone else's head. I haven't really had any issues. I keep my distance, come see you. Hey, how you doing? And goodbye. I asked her about advice that she would give to foster youth who were in the system right now. Here's what she had to say. Open up, let someone know. We can't help you if we don't know. Here's what she had to say about reconnecting with the parent who lost custody of her. Some of the parents like, oh, I want my kids back and I I want how it was before. It's never going to go back to where it was before. They're going to look at you different. They're not the mom that brought them into this world. You're the mom that kind of made their life a different way than what it should be. And when you try to just force yourself back on them, like, oh, I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too, but at a distance. I, I can't just step back into I'm your daughter or I'm your son just that quick. It takes time. It's just not going to happen overnight. You have to wait and let it flow itself. You can't just rush into something because when you rush into it, it's just going to be a total disaster. That's just like when you break something. It's not going to be the same way when you put it back together. You're going to have your nicks, your flaws, your chips. It's not going to be the same. This is the advice that she had for parents who were putting their kids at risk. 
Put yourself in your child's shoes of what you're doing to them. Look at it through their eyes. And finally, this is the advice that she had for child welfare social workers. Actually care about your kids that you're working with. Don't just throw them somewhere just to get them off your caseload. Right around the time that this interview was conducted, a journalist by the name of Teresa Wiltz wrote a really interesting article. The title was Drug Addiction Epidemic Creates Crisis in Foster Care. The article basically talks about how social service agencies in multiple states are being overrun with cases where parents are addicted to drugs. When I first interviewed this young woman, she was a 27 years old and she went into the system because her mother was on drugs and in those what is that 19 years 18 19 years people have continued to use drugs as a way to cope with trauma and mental illness and kids are being detained at an alarming rate the just say no or just lock them up interventions that we used in the past those just didn't work and things didn't get better as a matter of fact it got worse so here's what we know. We know that treatment for those who want it is an effective intervention, but we also know that that takes time and social services can't do this on their own. That's why we're seeing a lot more involvement with the community, uh, particularly faith-based organizations. But that alone doesn't solve the problem either because there are a lot of people who don't subscribe to any particular faith. So what I wanna do is talk about three things that can be done to help kids in foster care. Number one, become a foster parent. There aren't enough good foster homes and kids need a safe place to heal while they're going through this whole process. I can tell you from experience that being a foster parent was one of the most frustrating things that my husband and I have ever done, but it was also one of the most rewarding. And one of the reasons that we had such a great experience was because we partnered with an amazing foster family agency. Olive Crest is dedicated to preventing child abuse, to treating and educating at-risk children, and to preserving the family one life at a time. And they've been doing it for over 40 years. I really love this agency. So if you've ever thought about becoming a foster parent, visit olivecrest.org, or you can give them a call at 1-800-550-CHILD, C-H-I-L, and then there's a D at the end. But hey, we all know that not everybody is meant to be a foster parent. And if that's the case, become a mentor. Commit to being involved in the life of a young person with no strings attached. Sometimes our kids just need someone they can talk to, someone they can trust, and believe it or not, a place they can go for holidays. And number three, if being a foster parent or a mentor don't work for you, please stay connected to the kids in your family, especially if you know that their parents are struggling, whether it's uh, drug abuse or stress. Try to the best of your ability to just stay involved. Trust me, I know it's not easy to stay connected with kids in the family, especially if their parents are being defensive or combative, but they need us. And if you're a parent who's struggling with stress or drugs or an abusive relationship, please get help. Talk to somebody that you trust. Try to keep your kids engaged with at least one healthy person. Because the reality is, if CPS does knock on your door, you want to have at least some say in where your kid goes. And I know sometimes you get sick of people trying to tell you how to raise your kids, but you know what? You just have to ask yourself, are these people telling you these things because they're horrible or is it because they genuinely care about you and your kids? And I have to tell you, it is a lot easier to take advice from a family member than it is to listen to a judge who's dictating what's going to happen because you no longer have custody. 
Thank you for listening to Formally Fostered. You can subscribe to us by going to Apple Podcasts or follow us on SoundCloud. Feel free to leave a comment or email us at info at greenpinesmedia.com. So until next time, have a good one.